Welcome back to a book a day kids story time with Elmo included. <laughs> Today we are reading from Sesame Street five minute stories book. And we are going to read the first five stories. Here we go. There's 19 of them. The first story is when Oscar was a little grouch. By Liza Alexander. This one looks good. One day, Oscar was grouch sitting for his niece, Filthomina. She was just a little slip of a grouch, no bigger than a waste paper basket. Today, Filthy, that's her nickname, Filthy was giggling and smiling and chatting. This is terrible, thought Oscar. She's too perky. That means too happy. What would her mother say? I've got to do something to make her grouchy and quick. Oscar disappeared down into his can and came back up with a pair of cymbals. Clang, clang, clang. He crashed them loudly into Filthy's ear. Wah! yelled the little grouch. What noisy cymbals, Uncle Oscar. Where did you get them? Well, little Filthy, said Oscar, when I was your age, my mother used to say, sleep, grumpy little grouch. Then she'd play a, a grouch lullaby on these cymbals. They make a nice soothing racket, don't they? They sure do, said Filthy. Uncle Oscar, what was it like when you were little? Funny that you should ask, said Oscar. I was just going through a few things I've saved from when I was an itty-bitty grouch. Oscar ducked down into his can once again and popped back up with a chipped spoon and a battered bowl. My mother fed me my first grouch food with this bowl and spoon. She'd say, eat, it'll make you big and grouchy. Tell me more, Uncle Oscar. Tell me more, said Filthy. Let's see. Oscar brought out a tiny metal trash can from his own bigger can. This was my first real trash can. I wore it to kindergarten. Oh, kindergrouchen, not kindergarten. See how battered and smashed it is? Hee <laughs> hee. That can's really awful, said Filthamina. I wish I had one just like it. Bang, crash, clink. Oscar rummaged around in his can and pulled up a bashed-up plastic flamingo and a dented toaster. I got this junk on my very first trip to the dump, he said. I remember it well. Uncle Oswaldo let me ride in the back of his garbage truck. It was pouring rain and mud spattered up all over me. It was wonderful. Would that make those things make you guys happy? No. No. Uncle Oscar, Uncle Oscar, will you take me to the dump sometime? asked Philthamina. You bet, Filthy, said Oscar, any time. Filthamina was so excited that she pouted furiously. She began to fuss and fret and yell. Uncle Oscar joined right in, and they had a high old grumpy time. Oh, Brody's feeling grumpy, too. Filthy had really worked herself up into a fantastic fit when her mother came stomping around the corner. She gathered her little grouch up in her arms and gave her a big kiss. Darling, said Filthamina's mother, Uncle Oscar must be a great grouch sitter. I've never seen you in such a great grumpy mood. How do you do it, Oscar? Ah, oh, shuck, said Oscar. It was nothing. That is a silly story. This next story is called Tina Twiddlebug's Big Adventure. Again by Liza Alexander. One day, Thaddeus Twiddlebug, mayor of Twiddlebug Town, said... It is time that we build a playground for our little twiddlebugs. 
Everybody agreed, and since Twiddlebugs don't like to waste time, they got right to work. Tilly and Titus Twiddlebug used two safety pins and a toothpick to build a frame for a swing set. Then they hung buttons from a string to make swings. Tessie Twiddlebug filled a matchbox with sand to make a sandbox. And Toby Twiddlebug stuck a ruler on a thimble for a seesaw. All these things are very what? Very, very small. Why are these things so small for their playground? Because they're tiny. They're tiny little bugs. Marvelous, 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 said the mayor. This playground is almost complete. Just a minute, said Tina Twiddlebug. My Timmy loves to scramble and climb. We must have a jungle gym for our little Twiddlebugs. Everybody agreed, but nobody could think of what would make a good jungle gym. Tina took a deep breath and spoke up once again. I will fly out into the big wide world and find a jungle gym for my Timmy and all the other little twiddle bugs in our town. There was a hush in the crowd as all twiddling stopped. Very few twiddle bugs had ever ventured out into the big wide world, but Mayor Thaddeus Twiddlebug was all for it. He said, here, here, and clapped Tina on the back. All the other twiddle bugs hugged her and wished her good luck. Brave Tina gave her Timmy a big kiss and took off on her tiny Twiddlebug wings into the big wide world. To Twiddlebugs, the big wide world is any place beyond Twiddlebug Town, which is in Elmo's window box. So their whole town is just Elmo's window. At the first place, in the first place next to Elmo's window box is Elmo's bedroom. So when Tina twiddled in through the window, Elmo was sitting on the floor playing a game of jacks. Elmo was concentrating on his game and didn't notice Tina. And that was a good thing, because even though Elmo was a friendly little monster, Elmo seemed very big and scary to Tina. Ever so quietly, Tina began to look for a jungle gym. She twiddled softly around the room. Elmo's checkers and his twiddly winks would make good tables, but not good jungle gyms. His comb would make a fine fence, and his dice would make nice chairs. But none of these things would be much fun to climb on. What am I to do, wondered Tina. Just then, Elmo gave his jacks an extra big toss, and one jack skittered all the way across the floor. Elmo got up and looked for it, but he couldn't find the jack anywhere. Oh, well, he said, I've got plenty more. The fuzzy red monster went back to his game. But Tina, with her sharp twiddle bug eyes, knew just where that jack had gone. She was still a little bit frightened, but when Tina Twiddlebug makes up her mind, there's no stopping her. <clears throat> Tina twiddled right down behind the dresser and snatched up the jack. <clears throat> it's perfect, she thought. Off she flew up from behind the bureau and out Elmo's window, just as fast as her tiny Twiddlebug wings could carry her. Back in Elmo's window box, snug in their town, all the other Twiddlebugs waited with their fingers crossed for Tina to come back. And when she did, with the jungle jack, all the Twiddlebugs sang and twiddled for joy. Tina, said Mayor Thaddeus Twiddlebug, you make us proud to be Twiddlebugs. He named her a hero and hung a bright, shiny medal around her neck. Emil has never figured out where that jack went, but you can be sure that to this day, thanks to Tina Twiddlebug and Elmo, the children of Twiddlebug Town scrambled and climbed to their heart's content on their very own jungle jack in their very own playground. And that's the end of that story.
Yeah. This next story is called Ernie and His Merry Monsters by Michaela Montine. That Robin Hood was a great guy, Ernie said to himself. What's Ernie doing right now? Sitting on a tree and reading a book. Reading a book called The Adventures of Robin Hood. Robin Hood and his merry men must have had a wonderful time living in Sherwood Forest and doing good deeds. Ernie leaned back against a tree trunk. Those were the days, he thought. Sometimes I think we could use a hero like Robin Hood on Sesame Street. Ernie closed his storybook and closed his eyes. Soon he was asleep, dreaming dreams of Robin Hood. Help! Someone help me, please, cried a little boy. Oh, so then we're inside his dream. Luckily, Robin Hood was nearby and heard the boys cry. What's the matter? asked Robin Hood. And who is Robin Hood? Who's he imagining Robin Hood to be? Himself. Mm -hmm. My kitten Fluffy is in this tree and he can't get down, said the boy. Don't worry, said Robin Hood. I will blow my horn and soon you'll have Fluffy back safe and sound. The little boy stared at the figure dressed in green. I've already tried calling and whistling, he said. I don't think blowing a horn is going to help. Just wait and see, said Robin Hood, and he blew three loud blasts on his horn. A few moments later, three monsters came running down the street. This is my band of merry monsters, Robin Hood explained to the boy. Meet Friar Tuck, Little John, and Will Scarlet. Wow, said the boy, that must mean you are Robin Hood. At your service, Robin Hood said with a bow. We travel far and wide doing good deeds and other heroic stuff. But now to the job at hand. Give me a boost, Merry Monsters, and I will rescue Fluffy. The boy watched as Robin Hood and his Merry Monsters got Fluffy down from the tree. So they're all standing on each other's shoulders. One, two, three, four of them. Soon the kitten was snuggled and then, safely. And then Ernie standing on the top of them. And all of them. Ernie Robin Hood's way at the top, getting the kitty. Soon the kitten was snuggled safely in the boy's arms. Thank you, said the boy. You are so brave. Bravery is our business, Robin Hood answered. Then he and his merry monsters set off down Sesame Street in search of other good deeds that needed doing. They hadn't gone far when they noticed a lady pacing nervously up and down the sidewalk. She looked very worried. May we help you? asked Robin Hood. I dropped my ring and it rolled down there, said the lady, pointing to a grate in the street. I'm afraid I'll never get it back, she added sadly. Robin Hood peered through the metal bars of the grate. Sure enough, deep in the hole below the grate was the lady's ring. My merry monsters and I will help you, Robin Hood said to the lady. Then he whispered something to Will Scarlet, and Will ran off. He returned a few minutes later carrying a fishing pole. Robin Hood tied a small magnet to the end of the fishing line. Then he lowered it through the grate. It was not long before he was reeling in the line, the magnet, and the ring. Oh, thank you, said the lady when Robin Hood handed her the ring. That was so clever of you. Being clever is part of our job, said Robin Hood, as he and his merry monsters took a deep bow. Someone was crying. At first, Ernie thought it was part of his dream, but when he opened his eyes, he knew it wasn't. A little girl really was crying. And Harry, Elmo, and Cookie Monster were telling her not to worry. Now, those are the same monsters that were his merry men in his pretend story, right? Mm -hmm. What's wrong, Ernie asked. I've lost my puppy, said the little girl. And we're going to help look for him, said Henry. 
or said Harry, I mean. Ernie did what he thought Robin Hood would do. Let's organize a search party, he said. It took a lot of searching, but at last they spotted the puppy who had fallen asleep beneath some bushes. Thank you for helping me, said the little girl. Being helpful is our business, said Ernie. No one knew what he meant, but that didn't matter. Why didn't they know what he meant? Because when was he saying that? In real life or in, in his dream? dream? In his dreams, right? But no one knew what that meant, but it didn't matter. Ernie knew. He knew there were times when a hero like Robin Hood was just what Sesame Street needed. And let's go to the next story. This story is called Harry's New Shoes. <laughs> Harry. Again by Michaela Munteen. Another Harry. Harry Munster's furry big toe was poking out one of his sneakers. His little toe was poking out of the other sneaker. Harry, said his mother, I think it's time we brought you a new pair of shoes. But these shoes and I have been lots of places together. We are very good friends, he said. Those sneakers are getting too small for you, said Harry's mother. Don't worry, you'll make friends with your new shoes too. So Harry and his mother walked to the shoe store. The salesman measured Harry's foot. Hmm, he said, size 12. Pretty big for a monster your age. Then he went to the back room and brought out boxes and boxes of shoes. Look at all those shoes, guys. Wow. Harry tried on blue sneakers and red sneakers and sneakers that had laced all the way up to his ankles. At last, he decided on a pair of white high tops with red stripes on the side. They fit him perfectly, said the salesman. May I please wear them home, Harry asked, and his mother said he could. All the way back to Sesame Street, Harry kept looking down at his new shoes. They felt soft and cushiony on the inside, but stiff and squeaky when he walked. Well, asked Harry's mother, do you think you and your new sneakers are going to be friends? I don't know yet, said Harry. I will have to show them around the neighborhood. All right, said Harry's mother, but be sure you and your new shoes are home in time for dinner. Harry headed toward the park. Right now you are walking on cement, Harry said to his shoes. It feels rough. Then they reached the park. Now you are walking on grass, Harry said. It feels soft and I bet it tickles you. Now I'll show you some of the things we will be doing together. Harry jumped up and down. That is jumping, Harry explained. And this is running, he said. Now I will show you around the neighborhood, Harry said. This is the way to Hooper's store, and this is the way we go to visit our friends Ernie and Bert. Harry's new shoes did not feel so stiff as he walked up and down Sesame Street. Harry showed them Big Bird's nest and Oscar's can, and he was careful to walk around a puddle. You must stay away from puddles, Harry said to his sneakers, and you must stay away from mud. Mud is not good for new shoes. Finally, he showed his shoes to Big Bird. This is the last thing I'm going to show you today, Harry said, but it is a very important thing. This is the way home. When Harry reached his house, his mother was waiting for him. How do you like your new shoes, my Harry monster, she asked. Harry looked down at his new white sneakers with the red stripes. They weren't as white or as new looking as when he had walked out of the shoe store. I think we're going to have a good time together, he said, and we are going to be very good friends. <laughs> and the last one of these stories that we're going to read is called One Wet Monster, also by Michaela Munteen. The sun was shining and the clouds in the sky were oh, white. Oh, there he is with his... Yeah, you 
Oh yeah, he has his new shoes on in this one. The sun was shining and the clouds in the sky were white and fluffy and friendly. Because he wore his new shoes. shoes right now. Mm -hmm. Grover went to the park. He did not think about taking a coat or a hat or a pair of boots. Who would need those things on a sunshiny day like today? All afternoon, Grover played with his friends in the park. He slid down the slide, he swung on the swings, and climbed on the jungle gym. He was having such a good time that he did not notice that the sky was slowly turning gray, and the clouds did not look friendly anymore. Then the wind began to blow, and there was a rumble of thunder in the distance. Everyone else hurried home, but Grover wanted to stay a few more minutes. I, Grover, I'm almost done. Hi. Certainly the rain will wait until I have finished building this beautiful sandcastle. But the rain did not wait. Big drops began to fall hard and fast. Oh my goodness, said Grover as the raindrops splattered on his nose and his fur and into the moat of his sandcastle. I better hurry home as fast as I can. My fur is getting wet. Sometimes it's nice to be outside when it rains. It is nice to feel the gentle spring rain with the soft sprinkling mist, which can make rainbows appear. It is nice to feel a summer rain as it cools the sidewalks and washes the dust from the leaves. But this, this was not one of those kinds of rain. This was a storm. The rain was cold and it came down in hard driving sheets that made it hard for Grover to see what was in front of him. It was not the kind of rain a monster likes to be outside in. Grover's mommy saw that it had started to rain. She put on her raincoat, got her umbrella, and headed toward the park to find Grover. But Grover had decided to take a different way home. Oh no, guys. So while his mommy was walking on the sidewalk to the park, Grover was running through backyards toward his house. Grover ran as fast as his monster legs could go. The rain blew in his face, soaked his fur. When I get to the mailbox, panted Grover, I will have only 25 more steps to go. Then I will run around the corner and I'll be able to see my house. Grover tried not to think about how cold and wet he felt. He tried to think about warm, snuggly things. My blankie, said Grover. I will think about my blankie and my warm, dry house. And I will think about my mommy giving me a big hug. At last, Grover passed the mailbox, turned the corner and saw his house. He could see the light on, and he could see his mommy waiting for him at the door. I came to look for you, she said, but I could not find you. I took the back way home, said Grover, as he shivered and dripped in the front hall. His mommy quickly wrapped a big fluffy towel around him. Then she filled the tub with warm water and added some bubble bath. Grover climbed into the tub, and it made him feel warm and tingly all over. When he had finished his bath and he was warm and dry, Grover said, Mommy, I was scared in that storm. And I was worried, said Grover's mommy. And she gave him the biggest hug a mommy monster can give her little monster. Then they sat together drinking hot chocolate and listening to the rain. How does he feel now? Happy and warm and snug. And that is the end. And we will read the rest of this book stories on another episode. Bye-bye.